and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. In the midst of a crazy World Series, Leafs and Canucks fans in a tizzy and the Toronto Raptors back in action tonight. This is Tim and Friends for November 2nd, 2022, along with the viral video sensation known as Jesse Rubinoff. I'm Tim McAuliffe, I kid because I love, but I'm also super proud of the work from you yesterday. Uh, were you surprised at all by the reaction? Because, Extremely. Yeah? Humbled, um, overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, it was hard, honestly, hard not to get emotional yesterday. Um, just all the messages and everything. Everyone that messaged me, thank you. I saw it, uh, yeah. even if I didn't respond, but I think I responded to most people. Uh, so thank you You for responded the to most people? Yeah. Yeah, there was not? a lot of response. There was a lot of response. So I think I responded to most people. But yes. again, uh, thank you for the support. And thank you, Timmy, and thanks to, to the crew for giving me the platform. Appreciate it. Whatever. We got another two hours of whole grain <laughs> edutainment coming your way on this edition of Tim and Friends. I had a Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Leafs Flyers on Sportsnet 1 tonight. We've also got a cavalcade of guests to help you get there and alleviate the pressure on Jesse and I. Joe Siddle on the fighting Phils, who are two wins away from one of the more unlikely World Series wins, dare I say, ever. Elliot Friedman on the Leafs and the possible sale of the Sens. Justin Dunk on the CFL semis, and perhaps the next big Canadian back in the National Football League. And yes, it's contractually obligated Wednesday here on Tim and Friends. So the whirling dervish known as Kenny Reed will be by for the final hour, trotting out some of the more obscure 80s and 90s references that your heart can take. I'm thinking <laughs> Danger Bay, Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling, and maybe some Shaggy, so long as you know it wasn't me. I do have a, a swirling rumor right now about mm-hmm. Kenny Reed. A swirling rhyming with whirling dervish, very nice. Yeah, uh, I've been told that he ran out of gas in his car. No, he didn't. I don't know if this is true. Like he's true. on the side of the road somewhere and waiting for what, CAA? CAA to pop by or emergency roadside what do you do? assistance never happened to me. Has ever happened to you? What do you, what do, you do? Like, uh, I've had battery problems. Yeah. And, and now in my, like, when I get a new car, mm-hmm. I always, most of them have it written in, but when you get a new car, you can get the emergency roadside assistance. Right. And every once in a while, that becomes very valuable. I always think like if you're close, if you're within like 200 meters or even a kilometer of a gas station, you can just walk to the gas station, get gas and walk back to your, back to your car, right? Yeah, but there, there are some spots in Toronto where that's not possible. Like if you're on the DVP, the Don right. Valley Parkway in Toronto, it's a long hike. So we don't know where he is. No idea where he is. Oh, I'm just, it's a rumor. Unconfirmed at this juncture in time. And perhaps I should reach out and maybe lend a hand. <laughs> it's not for you to do. It's kind of sort of that, mocking uh, him on national television. No, you're, on, you're on TV. Like every, you do every, don't we all have those gauges now that tell you like, you know, like 20 kilometers? Yeah, to but I get and it. They like, even, and they even give you a couple of kilometers once you get to zero. I know, but that's the thing. I, I'm one of those that pushes it and it's oh, never got me before. But I feel like there's a, a lot of people out there that even though it flashes zero, you're like, eh. Still probably at 50 kilometers well, left, so I push it. I used to uh, work at the Score Television Network and host a Monday to Friday, mm-hmm. Score Tonight with Sid Sixero. And the Ticats, I would do all of their radio games. Yeah. So I was flying back and forth between Hamilton a lot of and Toronto, a mm-hmm. lot of kilometers. And one time I pushed it to that zero, and I was 
I was going to a game in Hamilton, felt like I was already late. Sweating bullets. And I just yeah. absolutely <laughs> pooping my pants. That's and a bad it was on zero for yeah. about a kilometer and a half before I got to the gas station. And I was just like, thank God. Like, yeah. there's an angel out there looking out for yeah, me right no, now. That is not, not a good feeling. I'm no, glad you made, feeling. you made it, though. So I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I I'm made it. Ken Reed, we'll see if he yeah. makes it for the second hour. <laughs> All right, let's kick off the festivities as we always do. First things first. So let's do our duty, Oklahoma quarterback, General Booty. General Booty? You don't know General Booty? Your, your boy, General Booty? You, do you remember John David Booty? Do you remember the quarterback, yeah, John yeah, yeah. David yeah. Booty? General Booty, real name, given real name, not nickname, given real name. General Booty is his nephew. And he's a quarterback at Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, a quarterback yeah, at yeah. Oklahoma. Um, General Booty. Is that the best handle in all of sports? I mean, there's some good ones. There's, no. a, there's a lot of good ones. But uh, that's up there. Yeah, I remember a top-level soccer player named Yuri Jerkoff, but I don't think we should stay there. <laughs> I'll move on to first things okay, first. Let's do game that. four of the World Series goes tonight in Philadelphia. Does that win? The Phillies, yeah, I think so. Yeah. The Phillies took game three last night. Family show, though. 7-0. <laughs> Tying a World Series record with five home runs, all off Houston starter Lance McCullers Jr. Philly now has a chance to take a commanding 3-1 lead at home. Yeah. What's been the most surprising part of the series so far for you? You know, the German last name of... K-O-C-H is pronounced a little different. You're going back to this. And uh, there was a dude that played in the Bundesliga by the name of Harry. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I feel like soccer can okay, yeah. provide yeah, some I mean, gems. it's just a pronunciation. Some it. things aren't changed because they're, yeah. So those are two of them that I just had. On your baseball answer. Uh, and Remus Cock ain't never been. <laughs> uh, Very good. I'm down for the tipping pitches conversation. I'm down for the rain out really favored the Phillies conversation, especially with Aaron Nola going tonight. But here's what strikes me most. The absolute 180 that the Phillies have pulled off here is stunning. Mm -hmm. And I don't use that word lightly. Like Bryce Harper, chief among them. But it's not just him. Like, remember in early August, Keith Hernandez told the world he doesn't want to do Phillies games because they're an abomination defensively. The Mets that Hernandez covers stumble down the stretch. They're out in the wild card. Guess who's still going? That abomination that is the Philadelphia Phillies defense. Nick Castellanos, according to StatCats, second worst right fielder in the league, and he is making game-saving catches. Plural. Plural. Joe Girardi's bounced by the Phils. Rob Thompson takes over. He becomes just the ninth manager to take over a team midseason and win the pennant. Now just two wins away from becoming just the third to win a World Series after taking over in the middle of the season. Alec Baum. Do you remember Alec Baum? <laughs> Alec Baum was one of the guys that Hernandez hates. Well, he hit a home run last night. And you may remember, like, standing ovation, people going crazy. This is the same dude getting a massive ovation from a crazy crowd that was caught on camera earlier this year saying, I effing hate this place. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I he do. was saying I, he, he had three errors in three innings, to be fair. Yeah. Made a play, got a Bronx cheer or a Philly cheer, as it were, and said, I effing ate this place. <laughs> yeah, that's it's very good. And you could say he responded last night by hitting a bomb. Gotcha. It's too easy. A hero again last night is a bomb. And how about Bryce Harper? I mean, think of the flip in narrative that this dude has produced. The guy who needed not one but two hair dryers to do his thing 
even if it was just to sell something, the kid being touted as the most egotistical player in all of baseball has turned himself somehow into a working class hero in all, in of all places, Philadelphia. Like, I was on record saying that this could blow up spectacularly when he signed his $330 million deal in the toughest sports city on planet Earth. It's the opposite right now. The kid looks like the chosen one that Sports Illustrated told us about years ago. And his no doubt clutch mm -hmm. tape measure absolute ropes have made him a cult hero in Philly. Two more wins and the most unlikely blue collar Philly hero will be cemented as a working class legend because of just what might be the most unlikely World Series winner wow. ever. Like I said, wow. two more wins to go, but my God, the turnaround is stunning, is it not? The turnaround is incredibly stunning, and I, I look at this roster and I just wonder, are they on a, a special heater at the moment, or did we, fans, media, everyone, underrate how good they are in the sense that you look at the performances last night, five home runs, all from guys that are good good hitters of the baseball. Their lineup was never really a concern. It was usually the defense or the pitching or the fielding, but maybe maybe they are better but than we think. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. This is the Jays of the NL East. Mm -hmm. Like the Philadelphia Phillies are kind of sort of the Toronto Blue Jays of the NL East. They built the same way, great lineup, couple of good pitchers at the mm -hmm. top, mm -hmm. a little lack of depth. And, and listen, it feels like tonight is series on the line type of game. You've got Nola going tonight, and then tomorrow it's Verlander, probably Cindergard mm -hmm. for game four. If you lose tonight yeah. and it goes 2-2, and then it's Verlander who's probably not going to lose again, and maybe those are famous last words. And then even if he does, you go back to Houston for two. Like, it feels like even though everything feels good right now for the Phillies, that this could be a decisive yeah. game for? It's so interesting, too, because you would think, based on the numbers and the reputation, you would want Aaron Nola on the mound tonight. That's what you thought the Phillies would need to win the series. But you go look at the postseason record, they're 5-0 and in the postseason in games not started by Nola and Wheeler. <laughs> right. So it's like if you can squeeze out that... Uh, performance but, that you you think and come to expect from Nola and Wheeler, then mm -hmm. this should be in your favor still. I, I will say this: like Rob Thompson has rolled the dice a couple times, like high leverage relievers, and mm -hmm. and because of last night's blowout, he didn't have to use. Like everyone's fresh. Like the way this has worked out for Philadelphia is ideal. Credit to you, called it. And the the high leverage guys are all fresh for Philadelphia, and. Not just because of the rainout, but because of the blowout last night. Mm -hmm. So he has got, like, if it doesn't go well off the start, you might see him start to act like this is a game seven tonight. Yeah. Which is why you need to tune in on Sportsnet. Game four, World Series, Phillies, Astros, because uh, this one could be real interesting depending on how it starts. Um, I just quickly want to get your take on uh, Lance McCullers and, and perhaps the, the conversation around the tipping of the pitches uh, no one really answered any questions post game about him. McCullers he was said he, he didn't think. You think? You yep. think he was? Yeah, I think he was. I think. I don't think it was here. I think that. I mean, listen. 
where the glove was to start and mm -hmm. where the glove is here. This is so Joe Siddle's going to join us a little bit later. He and Devin Travis were saying like to figure it out here is really hard to adjust. Mm -hmm. But if you and maybe I can pull it up really quickly here. But if you uh, look at the the uh, the hand when it started, yeah, there was a slight adjustment on his hand positioning. Sorry, he's a righty. I'm a lefty. That's fine. Yeah. So the hand positioning, the glove positioning, there was a slight difference mm -hmm. on breaking ball, change up, fastball. And I think there's no way when Bryce Harper called bomb, bomb yeah. back to the yeah. dugout, like there was something that they saw. Mm -hmm. And then when you hit that many home runs off of what is normally a pretty damn good pitcher mm -hmm. uh, in the World Series with the game on the line, like with the series and, and, and season on the line, yeah. I, I would think that that might be. Um, it was it was so strange too. It was a lot of first pitch home runs as well. Harper's was first pitch. Baum was first pitch. So uh, very interesting. We will get Joe's take on that for sure. I got for it. now. You got, got it? it? Yeah, I got it. Give me just give me one second. Yeah, pull yeah. It up right here. Uh, so this is Chris Black, and uh, he's producing MLB Central tonight. And it's just where the glove is to start. It's like a couple inches. That's it. Yeah, and yeah. it was you know, and 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 tipping it towards home plate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So. That might have been the read there. I wonder if you can really even see that from, from home plate. Like, is that? Yeah, I mean, like you can see here too. Very fine detail. Oh, yeah, that one's a little bit more noticeable. And right, that's from the, the plate stretch. there. Yep. Yeah, so there's like just glove positioning. And if you think you got something mm -hmm. and you're sitting and you see that, it helps a lot. Not a good lineup to tip your pitches to no. at this current point in time. No, not at all. All right, let's go to hockey. Uh, just two games on the NHL schedule tonight, including the slumping Maple Leafs hosting the Flyers on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Last night, Canadian teams went 1-4, but the Edmonton Oilers, the only team to win, beating the Predators 7-4 after a somewhat slow start to the season. It's not slow anymore. They've won five in a row in oil country. Are they the best team in Canada? I'm not doing this. Not this early. No, I'm not doing this after 10 games thing. In fact, no disrespect at all to you and or the producers of the show. Mm -hmm. But it feels like the swings are getting more and more dramatic, no? Like, the Oilers 1-2 and two start. People are wondering if Jack <laughs> Campbell was the right man for the job. He still hasn't played great. But five straight wins and we want to anoint them. You just said it's exhausting. It's exhausting, yeah. I, I do yeah. feel that, honestly, yeah. that the Canucks get a two-game reprieve, and then because people don't know how good the Devils are right now, they're right back into the dumpster fight. Same with the Flames, right? Like, mm -hmm. we're off their bandwagon now. No, I'm not playing this game. Like, Uberdo will figure it out. And when he does, they'll get a few more goals, they'll get a few more wins. The Sens have had the same roller coaster. It's 10 games, and I'm not even, not even gotten to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, I have been at this for over 25 years now, and I honestly feel like it's it's more exhausting now than it ever has been. And the only thing that I can think of is that every team has like, there are five reporters that kind of sort of cover the team, whether they be uh, TV, radio, print. or print. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we've got maybe a couple more now because of websites. And then every team in Canada, at least in the NHL, has at least two or three popular team-specific blogs mm -hmm. and podcasts, right? So you had those to the table, and every one of them has to outreact the next one to get attention in what is a busy world. Like, I don't know how to change that other than you can watch Tim and Friends every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 Pacific. But 
I don't think it's good for the franchises that get caught in the oven, the heat, the toughest of spots, even though that changes quickly too. I mean, I used to point to the Yankees, right? And I would say, listen, guys want to play for the New York Yankees. There is no place hotter than New York with the Yankees, and yet still guys not only line up to play there, they have Hall of Fame careers there, they win there. Mm -hmm. But here we are talking about Aaron Judge may be done there, and the media is out saying that the fan base is too toxic. Like, I don't know, man. Is this just me, Jesse? Or is this like 2022 and all the coverage and all of the different places you can get these things? Mitch Marner yesterday saying, I don't know, I turn off social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hear it, but I've turned off social media and I'm way better for it. Like, it feels like there's a lot of heat on players. I, even the questions for the Leafs yesterday, are you playing for Sheldon Keefe's job? Like, what, what, what do you expect the yeah. guy to say? I mean, er- everyone is sort of culpable in this. I think it's fans, media, because like last night on Twitter, like DJ Smith is trending because right. Sense fans want him fired. Right. And you know what's happening in Toronto? Everybody wants Sheldon Keefe fired. Right. So it's like we're 10 games in. And, you know, to, to not just the fans' credit, to our credit, like we, we talk about these things too. The Sense thing was two games in, though. Yeah. We, like, I, I don't mind, like, listen. I don't mind if you criticize. I don't mind if you question. I don't mind any of that. But sometimes it becomes like knee-jerk reactions, and sometimes you got to take a step back. Like, I, I presented receipts. Do you remember when Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. was the ire of Raptors? After the bubble, people wanted him out of Toronto. Beyond the bubble, mm-hmm. people thought this guy needs to be done. Now people are saying that he's like... Top five in the league, top ten in the league, He's and Raptor fans want to run him out of town. Yeah, right. And I have the receipts. I, I tweeted out at that time saying, "Listen, you just saw Kyle Lowry go from playoff failure to Raptors growth within a year." Mm-hmm. You, you sometimes, and and I hope that this show does that. Is we'll discuss it, we'll question it, we'll have the conversation, but sometimes you need to take a step back. And just say, like, let it let it marinate for a little while here. And I would suggest that to Sens fans right now. I would suggest that to Oilers fans wanting to anoint themselves after five games. Like, it goes both positive and negative. Just sometimes you got to let things bake in the oven a little bit. All that being said, Connor McDavid's pretty good. We can get excited <laughs> about that, right? And not just him. Right. Dreisaitl, Kane. Right. And the rest of the others. So this is where I say he's on pace for 90 goals? Yeah, he's probably going to be. I say he does it. Nah, I'm kidding. I think. I think. Because, like, he has been that good. Okay, we went through this last year for those looking for context. (laughs) And Jesse, of course. What did I say? 200 points. Right. Right. And, And listen, I do think there's a concerted effort for not only the Oilers, but for Connor McDavid. He doesn't have a 50 goal season. No. And. I think with the ridiculous passing, sometimes guys will cheat off you. You see it with Mitch Marner. Mm -hmm. Wonderful passer. Shooting percentage really low. Guys begin to cheat knowing he's going to make the ridiculous pass. It's like the Ben Simmons. It's like the Ben Simmons. Sag off him. Just sag off him. You know he's going to pass. And Connor McDavid can get even more lethal if he scores goals and guys aren't looking for the pass. Mm -hmm. They're looking for 
oh my God, now he's going to shoot all the time. It just makes him more dangerous. It makes Leon more dangerous. It makes Evander Kane more dangerous. So I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up some ridiculous numbers. I don't know if the on pace for 90 <laughs> is where we end up this year. But being even money, basically, for the heart. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's kind of sort Like, look at it now. No one else is even close. You're getting value everywhere else. The, the only reason he's not less than even money is because of injury. Like, that's the only way he, yeah. like, essentially loses at this point. I mean, it's 10 games in, but just, I'm just saying. You're, 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 you're doing the thing I just scolded people I, I for. But he's, but he's, I mean, it's Connor McDavid. He's there, there's a history. Arguably the most dominant player in team sports. There's so, a history. Right, there's a history there. Yeah, Pasternak's only four points back. Yeah. Bruins are playing pretty good. I do think it's pretty, yeah, they are. I, I think really? it's amazing that um, he, I, I know he's at top, the top Without of the Marchand points list. Without Marchand for a lot of that. He's at the top of the points list now. <laughs> and the chances that he finishes there, and we're at, it's November 2nd. And the chances that he finishes on top of the points list are high because of are the track record. Yeah, yeah, because of the track record. It's without, with, without a doubt. Yeah. But I'm, I'll tell you right now, if Pasternak stays close mm-hmm. and the Bruins play well, yeah. there'll be a lot of people He's thinking Pasternak's yeah. exceptional hockey player. Now, too, can he talent. do that? I don't know because yeah. we're only 10 games in. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Raptors begin a two-game road trip through Texas tonight in San Antonio. Otto Porter Jr. is expected to make his season debut, and Fred VanVleet is listed as questionable after missing Monday's win over the Hawks due to lower back stiffness. The Raptors are now 4-3 and three on the season, while the Spurs are off to a surprising 5-2 and two start. So what are you looking for in tonight's game? Uh, there's no way that Scotty Barnes shoots the way he did against the Hawks, right? Like, no, I don't know. But if he does, <laughs> if he does, Jesse, look the bleep out. The Toronto Raptors might be unstoppable. I don't know. Listen, five threes for Scotty Barnes against the Hawks was... Jaw-dropping and the reason why they ran away with that game. Mm-hmm. He hit a few shots early. You can no longer just ease up on him. Look at this. Like, that's, that's even contested, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Scotty can bank on that, but if he does just hit a couple open early and then you have to get up on him defensively. Changes everything. Oh. Yep. It become, and listen, I, I know Nick Nurse... Uh, spoke to the media and he cautioned everyone about this and said, listen, he's working on it. It's another part of his game. We want him being the guy who attacks the rim mm-hmm. and causes the defense to come over. But, man, uh, it, it's, it's really interesting to watch this team. It's really interesting to watch the San Antonio Spurs and, and all of the team talent. Like you said it yesterday, and I started looking at the standings after you said that you thought – they might stay that way. And listen, I don't know what the Utah Jazz are, but they play a team game. I don't know what the Portland Trailblazers are going to be. Dame isn't young anymore. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of real teams. And you look around at the yeah. star-driven squads yeah. that are the player empowerment age, and you wonder, like, are we beyond the time of the super team player empowerment squad we started talking about this a little bit last year i haven't thought about it that way think about the last two champions Mm -hmm. bucks and the warriors Mm -hmm. right like i know the warriors get that star driven squad thing but also everyone on that team as soon as kevin durant left was on that team drafted by that team groomed by that Mm -hmm. team Mm -hmm. and let's not forget before they were the super team the Golden State Warriors were the laughing stock of the NBA. And look, Sixers, struggling. Nets, obviously, 
struggling. Like, look around. Lakers, struggling. All of the super teams, quote-unquote, Clippers, struggling, that manufactured their squad by pulling the strings themselves, struggling. And I wonder if we're not seeing the end of the super team player empowerment, I get to choose who I play with, and we tell you what to do because nothing has come out of it. I mean, the Lakers won. Yeah. In the Congratulations. Bubble. Yeah. Right? Look at them now. Look at them now. Yeah. They're a gong show. Um, speaking of gong shows, uh, you mentioned the Nets. Mm. Um, Kevin Durant's now 34 years of age, and he's having a, a very good season. But if you remember back to the summer, there were rumors that uh, Durant, obviously, we know he wanted out, and there were rumors that maybe he was going to end up as a Toronto Raptor. There was some pushback at the time. You know, don't include Scotty in that deal. Don't include Pascal in that deal. But looking at it now, would Raptors fans even still want Kevin Durant? Uh, let's ask him. I think that's a wonderful question. I, I really do. And I think that if you had asked Raptor fans before the season, they would have said, Pascal for Kevin Durant mm-hmm. in a flash. Straight up. Would you do it now? I mean, listen, the, the money would have to be maneuvered a little bit. Probably uh, another piece would have to be mm-hmm. added to make the money work. But would you trade for Kevin Durant now if it included either Pascal or Scotty, I think is the question that we should put out there and ask because mm-hmm. I think it's a legitimate one. Yeah, I mean, as good of a, of a season as Pascal's having, and he is like fourth in the MVP ladder, like Durant is still playing well. He's not necessarily the reason that the Nets and he's are still Dur- And he's still Durant. Yeah. But he's also what? 34. Pascal's 29? 28. Yeah. 29, 28? Yeah. Four years. Yep. Um, I have an update on the Ken Reed gas situation. What? I'm just going to play it. I haven't, I haven't heard it. He tweeted it out. I'm just going to play it. Hopefully there's nothing bad in there, but I am going to play this here. Okay. So why don't, why don't we have a listen? Go ahead, Rick. Ken Reed, run out of gas at Maine and Danforth. Brutal. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, buddy. Take care. Woo! Go ahead, Rick. Ken Reed, run out of gas at Maine and Danforth. Brutal. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. No problem. Yeah, buddy. Take care. Is that the guy who That's gave him so the gas? Good. That is so, so good. And Maine and Danforth is like around the corner. I mean, yeah. I don't want to give away where Ken Reed lives, but. <laughs> you just gave the neighborhood away, but it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. So I guess he's he's been saved, and he's probably going to make it. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, probably. That is so good. So someone walked the gas to him. How the hell does he run out of gas? Someone walked the gas to him, it looks like. Rick. Rick Wachnow. Well, he, he was carrying the... We'll ask him. Yeah. Still to come, Kenny <laughs> Reed in hour number two. <laughs> so good. A lot of questions for Kenny <laughs> Reed hour number two. Uh, Elliot Friedman for 3 of 32. Look ahead to Leafs and Flyers. Coach Bank Wednesday Night Hockey. Joe Siddle helps us look ahead to game four the World Series. Plus, after the break, CFL playoffs are on tap this weekend. Justin Dunk from Vancouver for a little dink and dunk. Playoff style. Tim and friends, ironically enough, on a hump day. Shea, once again, just knifing right through Orlando's defense. Shea was stuck mid-range, pulls up, and gets it to go. He is like an attic machine. You can always count on it. Kicks it out to a wide-open door three, and he knocks it down. It's a 23-4 run to cap it off. Lights out Nashville, 7-4 Edmonton. The big boys came to play in this one. Kane, his fifth career hat trick, four points for McDavid. Five for Leon Dreisaitl, a goal and four assists. Colors to Harper. 
It's drilled. Right center field. Lightning strikes. Gone. And it's gone. Gone. Left field. Wow. The South Philly Bombers with five. Ian West writes in after our opening segment and says, stop saying we are 10 games in. We are 53 <laughs> years into this Leafs mess. Uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I repeatedly left them out on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, they I are completely, the and I, like, I, I understand you have been there a couple different times and you don't really enjoy it. Though I will say this, like, Matthews and Marner are going to score and put up more points. Yes. So there is like a little knowledge there that eventually those guys will get going and they will win more games than they will probably lose, though their defense and goaltending, yeah, I don't know. All right, the CFL playoffs getting underway this weekend. Let's take a look at the odds powered by Bet Rivers. In the East, the Alouettes, two and a half point favorites at home to the Ticats. It's an interesting line at home. You would think three points. At least, so maybe folks thinking the Ticats can pull this on off. Argos are awaiting the winner, of course, in the East Final out West. Nathan Work and the Lions, two and a half point favorites at home to the Stamps. Bombers waiting for the winner of that one in the West Final. You know when we uh, head up the CFL lines that Justin Dunk is around the corner. And I was told that he's joining us from Vancouver, from Three Down Nation and CH. The aforementioned uh, Justin Dunk for a segment we call... Dink and dunk. What's up, Justin? How are you, man? Doing well, buddy. Actually, not in Vancouver. I slid down to Laguna Beach doing some surfing in SoCal and headed back up to Regina. Oh, living La Vida Loca is Justin Dunk. You know, to be honest with you, I was thinking UBC is on the road in Regina first round, Canada West playoffs. Why would he be in Vancouver? Maybe he was at the East Final, or maybe he was going to the West Final to watch Nathan Rourke play, but nah, Laguna Beach. Must be nice. Must All right, be nice. Let's start with the visitors, uh, the Stamps and Bo Levi Mitchell. They, they had a bit of a moment in the final week of the season. How do you think one of the more high-profile and drawn-out divorces in the CFL has been handled? It's been handled very well from all sides, starting with Mitchell. He's been an absolute pro as much as he's a competitor and he was upset about being benched. He has really helped Jake Mayer come along in his first start, let's say, to the start of his starting career with the Calgary Stampeders. And Mitchell's a key leader for this team. Is still a captain, is giving out game balls post-game in the locker room, and hasn't even talked about next year at all. And from the Stampeders' side, they've done this very respectfully, knowing what Mitchell has meant to the franchise. Two Grey Cups, two MOPs, and has had them at the top of the West Division for literally every single season that he's been healthy there in Calgary. So John Huffnagel, Dave Dickinson have done their part, but Mitchell really is shining in the way that he's dealing with all yeah, of Yeah, but I, I need to caution people here. Like, this is football. This is tackle football. Like, it ain't over. Bo still could play here. Definitely, and that's what people got to remember, right? Yeah. They think just because Mitchell's not on the field, he's not contributing to this team. And yeah, yeah one shot, Mara could be out, and all of a sudden Mitchell could come in riding on a white horse and potentially take this team to a Grey Cup and win another one. We've got to remember that. The Calgary Stampeders are legitimate Grey Cup contenders, and this is the reason why 
John Huffnagel, the general manager and president, did not deal for Levi Mitchell at the CFL trade deadline because he knows he needs two quarterbacks to win. And also, Mitchell's experience can help Mayor yeah. help push the Stampeders over the top. All right, so the Stamps get the Lions in the road. Obviously, uh, the health and gameplay of Nathan York front and center as he gets uh, you know some limited action in the final week of the season. Could you make much of that? I could, and I talked to some people around the league as well who watched the coaches film, and they felt like Rourke looked a little timid with that foot that he's recovering from the Liz Fank injury with. So it sounds like he's been a bit more mobile in practice this week going into the playoff game. And I think this was always the way they were going to approach it. They're going to be really cautious and let him just get back in the flow of things in Winnipeg. And then now I really think this week for the West Semi against Calgary, that he is going to be able to do whatever he can handle from a physical standpoint. So there were some concerns last mm-hmm. week, but knowing Rourke, he'll go back and fix some of those issues and do the best he can on okay. Sunday. Okay, all I've ever asked of the people around me and myself, of guys like you, uh, Justin, you've worked with me a lot in the past, with Jesse, uh, with Sid Sixero, with Ayla, whoever I've teamed up with in the past, is that you put me in the position to succeed, and I will do my damnedest to put you in the position to succeed. This is a tough one for you. But are the Lions putting Nathan Rourke in the position to succeed here? That is very difficult. I don't think we'll know the answer until this postseason finishes. Rourke has been chomping at the bit to get back on the field. But sometimes if you're a team, you need to have a player's future in mind. So based on all the research I've done and talking to people across the league, especially in BC, it sounds like they have been diligent with this process, Timmy. Mm-hmm. But if there's a setback, then people are going to question it. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, staying in the West before we head to the East, uh, Riders fired uh, their OC, Jason Moss. Uh, is this a scapegoat or should there have been more? No, he's definitely the scapegoat. And I think some people wanted more. I know people wanted more in Rider Nation. But Moss is being made out to be the scapegoat. I believe they were seventh in points in the league overall. And really, Moss never fit with Cody Fajardo. Their styles are completely different. Moss wants a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field. That wasn't where Cody Fajardo succeeded, especially in his breakout season in 2019. So I think Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day, the general manager there, are pointing the finger at Moss and saying, that was the issue, but in reality, the offensive line needs to be upgraded in the offseason or this team isn't going to have a much better record next year. Yeah, hosting the Grey Cup and missing the playoffs in Ryderville is not Ooh. a good look, and I wonder if the one-year contracts left on O'Day and Dickinson was like, let's not waste any more money, but I won't put that in your, uh, in your words. I'll just say that myself. Uh, East sees the Ticats in Montreal. Been an up-and-down season for both. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, man, this one to me is really intriguing. I think it'd be a tight game. Trevor Harris, I think, has been underrated in terms of how consistent he's been with Montreal, got this team a home playoff game and a winning record. And he's the best quarterback in the game, no doubt, over Dane Evans. But I really like what the Ticats have going, especially on the ground when West Hills is healthy. Sean Thomas Erlington looks spry to end the regular season last week. Tim White, I think for my money right now at this moment, is the best playmaker in the East Division. Mm. And the Ticats defense is stout and stingy. So I like the way they're playing going into this one. And really, I can see Hamilton coming out of there with a win. Any shocks in the All-Stars that were announced today? Did you leaf through any of these and say this should have been this or that should have been that? 
there are way too many to go through on this program right now to me and in reality the voting process needs to be overhauled you have guys that were getting called up and down from the practice roster for example that are being named all-stars you have andrew harris as an all-star who played a handful of games this year the media in this country who voted for these awards need to look at themselves in the mirror and understand that this was a piss poor job okay this was Ooh. terrible it's a bad reflection on the Canadian Football League. We need to have the best guys represented as all-stars. We're not even talking about the CFL level, the league level. We're talking about the divisional level. Right. Okay? So let's put in some more effort and get it right. Yeah. Dink and Dunk. I love the passion from mm-hmm. Justin Dunk here. Hey, before I let you go, um, do more Canadians need to know and or watch the Illinois Fighting Illini? Hell yeah, Chase Brown over 1,200 yards rushing on the ground in eight ball games. Timmy, I know that you've been putting the word out there on social media and talking about him on this fine program here, but people need to tune into this. This is a historic season. It seems like he's going to put up more yardage than Chuba Hubbard did in the year where he was eighth in the Heisman Trophy voting yeah. with Oklahoma State. Yeah. And Brown's got a chance to go higher in the NFL draft. So, yeah, people need to pay attention to this dude. He's elite. And even better, his twin brother, Sidney, plays on the team. And last week, as they moved to 7-1, and one, not only did Chase rush for 100 yards again, eight straight game, first in the Big Ten since Ezekiel Elliott to start with eight straight 100-yard rushing affairs, but... His brother has two interceptions, four solo tackles, six total, and two breakups. Like, it, it's a wonderful story, and it's good to see uh, these two kids balling. Uh, Laguna Beach, someone else is balling. Enjoy it, my friend. And uh, we'll talk to you. And enjoy Regina, too. Just as nice this time of year, especially. Just as nice. Enjoy yeah, both. Be fun. <laughs> Going from surf and sand to the snow in Regina. But hey. Yeah, I know you get a good there. meal in you. Maybe head by the Canada and, you know, like, I'm all's good. boy, Dunker. Uh, be well, buddy. Take care, man. There is uh, Justin Dunk going from Laguna Beach to Regina. Yeah. By the way, there are several good steakhouses in Regina. Yeah, I'll take your word for that. Yeah. I've never been to Regina. Yeah. Out of character to do the interview inside when he's at a place like that. Because right. he, he is wont to do them outside from time to time. Yeah, he, he told me that there was a chance that he was going to do that surfing. But. Right. Didn't up work. Yeah, that's okay. Instead, he just does it in front of the bed at his hotel. (laughs) Right. All right, time for a break. Plenty more coming on the way, including Canada's squad for their upcoming World Cup tune-up. We'll also hear from head coach John Herdman on that. Plus, Ken Reed if he gets here. Elliot Friedman on the Leafs and Flyers. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. F. Reed will saunter on in. And Joe Siddle, Game 4 World Series. Coming up. Welcome back to Tip and Friends. It's that kind of day, that kind of show. We're getting a lot of feedback on a lot of the things that we're talking about, not the least of which, after all is said and done, a long off season and a terrible start for the Brooklyn Nets, mm-hmm. would you still want Kevin Durant if you're a Toronto Raptors fan? What are we getting back here, Jesse? And what, how do we phrase the we question? We phrased it. Uh, would you trade for Kevin Durant now if it included Pascal Siakam or... Scotty Barnes, because those were the two names that were floated about during the summer when right. Durant was potentially going to come to Toronto. So let's look at some of the responses. 
Uh, JD says, no, I wouldn't trade even if Pascal or Scotty were not included. Great player, but that dumpster fire he helped create with the Nets does not fit with what the Raptors mm. have built. Yeah, would he ruin culture? Mm-hmm. Great A point, lot JD. of culture references yeah. in the answers. Uh, John says, as I said in the summer, if you were getting peak KD, it would be something to think about, but a 34-year-old KD with some injury history should not be a consideration for that price. Annie, nope, Durant is amazing, don't get me wrong, but why throw away the future for a couple more good years? We are building a team who can win for a long time, keep rolling with it, in my opinion. Mike says, I would. The price should be coming down as they continue to struggle. OG, Gary Trent Jr., Birch, a bunch of first-rounders, no deal if they insist on Scotty or Pascal. By the way, peak Kevin Durant, he's averaging 32.5 points per game, and right his now. per is seventh in the league. Yeah. His per is better than Pascal's right now, yeah. and Pascal's fourth in the yeah. MVP ladder. Player so efficiency rating for the about. uninitiated, yep. Uh, hell no, Scotty is going to be Giannis by end of next year. Uh, lofty expectations. Uh, Niels, wasn't worth the baggage in the summer, definitely isn't worth it now. Uh, Jim says, before the season began, I said no to trading Barnes and Pascal for Durant. Still a no. I do think the Raptors should still try and trade for Durant, but Scotty and Pascal. Yeah, you're not, you're not getting limits. it done without them. Uh, Chris says, with it including Siakam, yes, but not for Barnes. Yeah, I think that, I think if you had to pull the electorate before the season started, there would have been a lot more saying what Christos said, mm-hmm. which was, Pascal, send them. In fact, I saw, you know, friends of the show say the exact same thing. And I wonder how many of those would rethink that the way Pascal has started and the views from outs like the Americans are noticing. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know how often I've sat here and said, hey, don't wait for the cosign from the United States of America. They don't watch the team as much as you. They're watching right now. And they are in awe of the way this team plays. Teams that I don't know what that translates to, but just, you know, kind of the juxtaposition, the contrast between these star-driven teams struggling mm-hmm. and the way the Raptors play team basketball, there's a lot of people noticing. Yeah, it feels like every big American account recently has been picking up on the Raptors. I do think this is something that would be interesting to revisit later in the season because we've talked about Pascal starting off strong in the past yep. and not being able to keep it up. I mean, it looks like he has found something this year and will be more consistent. But if he drops off a bit, maybe this is worth something uh, revisiting. We'll do that. I have one more for you. I like the idea. Um, The Raptors, and I think you're going to like it, the Raptors need to trade for Shea Gilders-Alexander. Get him, free him from Oklahoma City. Yeah, I've been saying that, but the better they play, the less likely that is Mm -hmm. to happen. And let me just tell you something right now. It is going to take a lot to pry him from OKC the way he's playing right now. It's ridiculous. All right, speaking of Canadians, the FIFA World Cup kicks off in just 18 days with Canada's first game of the tournament. And the first men's World Cup game in 36 years for a Canadian squad. Three weeks today against Belgium. Today the squad was announced for a tune-up against Bahrain next Friday, November the 11th. Now, this game in the squad made up entirely, almost entirely, of MLS players with the European leagues not pausing their season before the Bahrain match, trying to get MLS guys some work in now that they're in the offseason. But there was some bad news today as it was announced that center back Scott Kennedy will miss the World Cup after picking up a shoulder injury yesterday. Head coach John Herdman was asked how close he and the staff are to finalizing their final squad for Qatar. I've got 26 players in mind. Uh, there's there's a you know a group of staff that have been working diligently over the last four months, you know, compiling 
all the permutations of what 26 players might look like and what we need. But there's a reality check, you know, every single week that the, there are changes, you know, no one predicted what had happened to Scott, which was so innocuous, you know, we could fall 10 times and that would happen only once and it happened. So I think we know that there's, there are other elements of the, the roller coaster that we're going to have to ride on this journey in the next couple of weeks with the amount of games players are playing. But coming into Qatar, it, it is an assessment period. The message is uh, engage, contribute, you know, do the best job you can in this environment. Take the pressure off yourself about, I have to do this or this to be selected. And, and let's see where this takes them. As mentioned, it all gets underway for Canada three weeks from today. But first, first, first up, excuse me, first up, first up, easy for me to say, the uber-talented Belgian squad. Striker Romelu Lukaku, though, was injured this past weekend. His status for the tournament uncertain. Then it's the experience Croatia on Sunday, November 27th, followed by Morocco to round out the group stage on Thursday, December 1st. It'll be the blink of an eye, kids, and it will be upon us. All right, one more piece of news to pass along your way from the world of soccer. Former Vancouver Whitecaps and Canada women's under-20 coach Bob Berardo was sentenced today in a Vancouver court for sex offenses involving four female athletes who played for Berardo. Now, he pleaded guilty to numerous charges in February for offenses that took place between 1988 and 2008. Today, he was sentenced to 16 months in prison, followed by eight months of house arrest. There were a lot of people who worked very hard to make sure that this story uh, got to the limelight yeah. and was shared by as many people as possible, which is a bleeping shame. Let's work to make sure that things like that don't happen again, and certainly not the 20 years that this was allowed to take place. We cannot have this anymore. Never mind what happens to the public image of your club, your country, your national organization. Clean it up or we're coming for you. Coming up, it's Wednesday, which means Ken Reed drops by for his contractually obligated appearance in hour number two, so long as he got his car started. We'll explain. We'll also be joined by Elliot Friedman with his thoughts on the Leafs. The Sens up for sale. And is Connor McDavid getting better? All that more as Timmy Friends rolls on. Is Kenny here? I heard him. Thank you very much, Chief Dogs. Back here, hour number two. Joe Siddle, Elliot Friedman on the way. But first, let's bring in the one and only Ken Reed, who, uh, for some reason or another, has brought in a gas canister with him. What well, the hell happened here? Well, I ran out of gas on the way to work, and producer Jason Sands said, bring the tank up. And I did, and the tank really stinks, doesn't it? <laughs> How the... Okay, so we were talking about this earlier, and Stacy Leak wrote in and said... Car manufacturers build in contingencies for those type of people mm -hmm. who go to zero kilometers in the... T How do you run out of gas in 2022? Three things. Yeah. Lazy. Yeah. Four things. Lazy. Yep. Yeah. Cheap. Three things. Lazy. <laughs> cheap. Idiot. 
<laughs> yeah, we're so gonna I tried to get either, to the so. gas station where I have the discount card because I figured <laughs> I could make on. it. That's um, how cheap you are. That's how cheap I was. I had I had to get there quickly because I took a nap. Right. So that's the that's the, the lazy, lazy part. Yeah. And cheap, I yeah, idiot. I'm you know I'm stupid. I smell like Dick Stacy right now. You know who Dick Stacy is? <laughs> I don't know who Dick Stacy. Dick St- anybody over 50 in Atlantic Canada will know who Dick Stacy is. He ran uh, Stacy's Motor Inn yeah. in Bangor, Maine, and his ads all ran all throughout Atlantic Canada to get oh, you to nice. go down there to shop. And he'd say, right. "See these hands? They smell like gas." And he'd pump gas all day. He had right. a combination: gas station, hotel, restaurant, and country music show. All right, so uh, we've got a couple of the uh, the Ken Reeds knocked off the list here. Did I not say obscure 80s, 90s reference? That's yeah. Stacey, Coming yeah. right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, while looking me in the eye, I smell like Dick Stacy, yeah. and then expected me to understand what the yeah. hell he was saying <laughs> and not go to somewhere else. Stacey's I was, wor- I was worried. Jamboree. Oh, and yeah. Listen, I was, sir, yeah. the key demographic of this show I know. Atlanta, yeah, key demographic of this show I know, Atlantic Canadian male over the age of 50. They will all know Dick Stacy, <laughs> guaranteed. Right. If they're on Twitter or fax machines, fax is Dick Stacy. You, you know what also helps for uh, uh, Atlantic Canada male over 50? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Game four, World Series on tap nice. tonight. Sportsnet, Phillies slugged their way to a 7-0 win and a 2-1 series lead last night. MLB Central comes your way 7.30 Eastern today, 4.30 Pacific, ahead of the game in what should be another great scene in the Philadelphia. Christian Javier will get the start for the Astros. He's only made one start in the past month, but it was a good one. Held the Yankees scoreless over five and a third at Yankee Stadium in the ALCS. The Phillies turned to game one starter Aaron Nola, who real good all year long, but was roughed up by the Astros in Houston. Here is Houston game five starter Justin Verlander on the team's mindset following that blowout loss. Obviously, there was a big momentum shift last night. Um, you know, I think one of the things as a team is you just don't shy away from that. We understand um, what happened, and obviously, uh, you know, that shortens the series and shortens it in their favor. Um, but at the same time, we've been a part of a lot of postseasons where, you know, we come back and, and win a couple, and then the, you know, the momentum changes right back. So I think the lesson is like just turn the page and get ready for the next day. It's all you can do. If you think running out of gas at Maine and Danforth in Toronto rush hour traffic is stressful, try being the Leafs these days. <laughs> Back home after a brutal western swing, they're at home on Wednesday night hockey against the Flyers. Seat on Sportsnet 1 starts with Hockey Central, 6.30 Eastern. Pressure, yeah, big time. It's like gas tank on negative zero. Mm. Sean McKenzie at Scotiabank Arena. Sean. Yeah, Kenny, I don't know if you guys have heard, but things are a little tense in Leafs Nation. The building is just starting to fill up, but things will be a little tight here tonight, especially off the start, and the starts have been an issue for the Maple Leafs. Now, there seems to be two trains of thought amongst Leaf fans right now. There are those that have seen enough. They have had it with this Leafs team. They don't think they can get it done, and they want to see changes. Then there's others, though, that are still optimistic. They think, hey, the Leafs had a poor start last year. There's still plenty of runway left, and they wouldn't be wrong. The start on paper is actually very similar to the one that the Leafs had last year, but Sheldon Keefe being very transparent, saying that they haven't played well and they know it. In fact, he feels lucky to even have the points that they do. They're not shying away from the fact that tonight is an important game, and they know they have to put on a show for this home crowd. We know our fans. um, Our fans will be here to support us. Um, 
if we give them reason to support us. And then certainly we have to go out and perform. So we, uh, you know, it, it just remains on us to go out and play uh, a better hockey game. And we certainly are motivated to do so. Uh, it's a matter of clearing our heads mentally and, and just getting out and playing. Keith will continue to tweak his line. Nick Robertson is a healthy scratch. Pontus Holmberg comes up from the Toronto Marlies. He makes his NHL debut. Not a highly offensive player, but Sheldon Keith says he does all the little things right, which might be what the Leafs need. And Ken, I am not surprised of you of all people ran out of gas. If I had to put money on someone at sports that it would be you, you'd probably be like, I took the whole cluster of gauges out because I'm old school and I don't need to see my speed or my gas. And that's for soft eastern canadian you're right it's i'm just not you're probably wearing your your jofa helmet you're cruising down the 401 with no gauges no floor it's like clark griswold yeah. is the way you're I'm, describing this is just the right least now. surprising thing yeah it is you know what the worst part yeah, was Sean? And like you kenny could drive a nice car he, yeah it's one of those new trucks that comes with the push button transmission so i couldn't just shift her into neutral and push it i had to yeah, pray that there was the just enough part, gas yeah. to get through the intersection and then when the guy recognized me when i was filling the gas up that was Hey, can't read. I'm like, yeah, that's. that's, that's I don't want to pour gasoline on this fire, Mm -hmm. but if the Leafs lose tonight to a Flyers team in the second half of back-to-backs with their backup goalie in there, like, are 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 we worried about waffles tonight, Sean? Yeah, and that's what we've been talking about all day. Is here's the issue for the Maple Leafs tonight, they kind of backed themselves into a situation where, look, we know this team can score. We know this team can come back from being down in games, but it feels like the pressure is just building. It feels like it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. And one of the topics that we talked about in the media room was, what if the Flyers catch an early break? What if they come out buzzing because they played last night and they get a quick goal? For a team like the Leafs in the past, that's child's play. They could score four or five unanswered, boom, boom, boom. But what happens? This crowd gets on them. It gets tense. Uh, they know that they have to have a start. And Sheldon Keefe didn't back down from that. You heard him talking that they need to play for this crowd. And that's going to be big in the first five or ten minutes because uh, things aren't overly friendly in Leafs Nation right now. And, and you want to have optimism. You want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But they keep giving fans the reason not yeah. to give them the benefit of the doubt. So, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see what would happen if the Leafs fall down early in this one. I think for them, they just need to have a good start, get a lead, and and hold it, and calm down all the, what they call, outside noise. Right. Without a doubt. Shawnee, appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. See you, buddy. Thank you. Kenny, put your gauges back in your car. It's not cool to be old school. Yeah, but I get to sniff gas now in the studio. It's a pretty good bonus. So do I, apparently. This stuff reeks, by the way. My eyes are burned. Thanks, Sean. Uh, by the way, uh, I don't know Leafs, how Dick Stacy did it. <laughs> Leafs fans and media who are acting like this is a layup because Felix Sandstrom is going in net mm-hmm. for the Flyers, slow your roll a little bit. I know he has yet to get a win in his NHL career. He's 0-6-1 in seven NHL games, but... He has a career save percentage of 907. That's better than two of the three Leaf goalies this year, and the only one better than that is Samsonov. Guess what? His career save percentage is lower than 907 for Felix Sandstrom. Uh, 
the career save percentage. What you saw there was his year mm -hmm. save percentage. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Well, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> you didn't think I knew that. Uh, that should be the memo to all Leafs fans. Yeah. I mean, this is a fan base and some media who actually thought this team was a cup contender. And, well, once they get in the playoffs, I don't know. I seem to recall an, an idiot sportscaster who runs out of gas from time to time <laughs> saying this team is extremely one-dimensional, uh, not built for playoff hockey, and they don't have defense, and they don't have goaltending. It'll cost them. Mr. Gasman was right. <laughs> and you weren't alone. Uh, meantime, John Tortorella met with the media a short time ago. Maybe Torts disagrees with you a little bit here. Now, he did not mince words when discussing Sheldon Keefe. Here's a listen. Uh, a lot of going on around the city here about this club. You guys don't know what he does. You don't know what he's done for that team. Uh, I've watched him far, and I have to admit, I have a... Uh, I, I coached him. We've had conversations as a young coach in this league. Uh, you guys chuck darts at him because you want some results. And it, I guess it is. It's always the coach that gets the darts chucked at him. But I know in, in watching him and coaching against him, uh, I, I think he's a terrific coach. And I hope he jams it to you all, quite honestly. Not tonight, but uh, <laughs> uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. It's oh. not Keith. Look, I have a great vehicle. But it can't operate without gas. The Leafs are flashy, but they're 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 just flashy. There's no there's no concept of team there. They're missing too many parts. I wonder if we asked the Leaf fans who they blame most. Yeah. Players, management, or coach? I think I know where it would sway. I don't think it's the coach. I don't think it's uh, some. I don't think it's necessarily the players because the the players can only do what they do. There's only seems to be one. It's it's like one type of player and man I learned that in the 84 Canada Cup 87 Canada Cup 72 John series John Tonelli you can't <laughs> just Graham. win thank you yeah. Brent Sutter you can't just win with superstars all right last week uh, for three of 32 we felt like he had a hostage situation with Elliot video, wasn't he okay? <laughs> yeah. so let's let's see what we got there oh, oh, look at three of 32 brought to you by GMC and the new Sierra AT4X Frege in the mahogany line. I Chirp love it. away, buddy. No, I actually kind of liked it last week. People said it was the best I ever looked. Couldn't see my face. <laughs> I, see, I brought this this week. I thought your generator ran out of gas, so I was pretty. I was prepped to help you out. Did, did you hear that Kenny ran out of gas on his way to work today? Oh, only 36 times in the first in the six minutes I've been on hold here. <laughs> <laughs> See the price awesome. of that stuff these days? I had to try to <laughs> stretch it as far as I could. All right. What, what do you make of Tortorella's comments about Sheldon Keefe? And, and is, I mean, he is taking a lot of darts right now. Is it warranted? Well, look, like Tim, this is a results-based business. You don't win. It's not comfortable for anybody. That's just the life the way it is. I, I howled when I read... Uh, Tortorella's comments both in social media and listen to it here like that uh, like you know if you were really a good friend you'd take an L for your buddy right but not John <laughs> Tortorella it's like I hope they kill everybody except tonight like that that is so brilliant but it's not the first as you guys mentioned he, and he mentioned he's coached Keefe and it's not the first time he's defended him it happened in the bubble too remember Tortorella coached Columbus at the time and Columbus beat the Maple Leafs and during that series Tortorella came to his defense but you know what? That's uh, that's the way this business goes. If you lose, you take heat. That's it. What if the Leafs lose tonight? Uh, jobs on the line, potentially. 
You know, like, I, 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 this is my opinion on this, uh, Ken. I, I think that the Maple Leafs do not want to make a coaching change. I don't think they really want to make changes. But the longer this goes on, the more they realize that that has to change. It's like my grandmother's old line, you plan, God laughs. I believe the Maple Leafs have planned for Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe to go through this year and, and see whatever happened and to make their decisions at the end of the season. If this continues, I think things could potentially change, although I don't think it was the plan for it to be this quickly. You know, the one thing I wrote today, and I joked about it uh, with, with Merrick today, is that, um, you know what, like, we work for telecoms, and telecoms don't like it when people feel comfortable when things aren't going well, and uh, things aren't going well right now. Do you, you think Dubas has the ability to get another coach? I thought Keith was his last coach, to be honest with you. You, you think that if it goes south, more south, uh, if we get below the 49th parallel, uh, that he, he gets another coach here? I, I just don't, I don't know how anybody could feel secure right now. Right. You I know, get what you're saying. I, yep. I, 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 I just don't. Like, I, um, look, I, do I still think it's early? Yes. Do I still think they have time to turn this around? Absolutely. But uh, I, I, I see the ground shifting if this doesn't, like, that's my hypothesis here, guys. I see the ground shifting if this doesn't change soon. And um, so that's what I, I kind of look at. The thing that concerns me about the Maple Leafs is, you know, last year their underlying numbers were excellent. No matter what you thought about them as a team, the analytics said they were a very good team. This year the analytics don't say that. The underlying numbers are not good. And they're dropping in several areas which they tended to be very good at. So that's the reason I think everybody here is a little bit concerned. I know not every fan out there believes in hockey analytics. That's fine. You can, you're entitled to your own opinion. Thank you. But I know the organization <laughs> believes in them. Yeah. And uh, I know the organization really does believe in them. And those numbers don't look good for the Maple Leafs right now. It just... Um... It's just to me, it's just nothing changes with the Leafs. And you're right. It's something has to change if this organization wants to move on because this is just, it's the same recipe and the cookies just aren't good enough. And I mean, I think when you say major, what did you, what was your use? Major ground change. earthquake change. That sounds like change. GM and up. To me. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there, Elliot. Well, you know, look, like, can we all know what's at stake this year? If this team is not successful, there are going to be major changes. And like I said to you, I believe that the, the plan was always give them the year and see how it goes. And I still think that is the preference. Uh, however, if things don't go well, sometimes things get, timetables get changed. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, like, I think everybody here is saying, internally says, we're going to get through this and we're better than we've showed. I think that's what they want. But what if that's not the case? What if they don't get there? Then all of a sudden, I think decisions have to be made quicker or choices have to be made quicker. You know, and, you know, like, like I said, I think I do wonder what happens at the director level if the interest starts going down, you know, if, if, if fans grow disaffected with the team. I always wonder about that because I've seen what's, I've been around 30 years now and I've seen what's happened when that occurs. So I, I think what the situation here is, is the team needs to straighten itself out. I don't think we're at like DEFCON 5 or anything yet. 
But I think if it doesn't get better, uh, then we could hit there. All right. By so, the way, Ken, yes. the only analytics you should be concerned about is <laughs> where the line is over E. Yeah, the needle over E. I know. I, I have to yes. start subscribing to analytics. But my change, my plans change too, Elliot. I planned on getting gas after work tonight, uh-huh. but a situation rose, and I was forced into getting $8 of gas before work tonight. $8 of gas. Well, Ash bought it. I called CAA. <laughs> uh, KAA, actually. Oh, I called KAA. Yeah, KAA. Ken's assistant, Ash, and she got the tank for eight bucks. Awful. All right. So, you know, I, Ken, you got to do something about your credit limit there if you're yeah. only allowed to buy $8 in gas. Life's tough, baby. That's, that's a real problem. Have you been leaving unpaid bills all over town? Shh. <laughs> All right, so I leafed through uh, 23 thoughts uh, today, and uh, one of the things that I was looking at was uh, the Sen sale. And this one seems like, um, from reading what you were talking about, from reading other places, like this is as soon as they are set to do it, it's done, Fridge. Like I I know this might not be the timing, but it seems like almost uh, a foregone conclusion here. Uh, it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think the question that we don't know is is who's it going to happen with? Right. Um, you know, Bruce Garriock had some really good names today. The Kimmel family, based here in Toronto, um, they were the former minority owners of the Pittsburgh Penguin. I know the league uh, likes them. I know they like Mike Andlauer a lot. He's one of the minority uh, partners in the Montreal Canadiens, and, and I've heard his name out there before. Definitely. I think there's de- also been. Uh, the Demaray family. I think there's been local interest. Jason York's brother Jeff. Um, you know, I, I would think that I would think he could be a minority partner. I think that the uh, the Melnick family wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised that they maintain a minority share. Like this is going to happen, and we've just been waiting for it to happen. And I think that one of the reasons that it's been quiet is the league was waiting for, like the league has to get a lot of things done here. They have to make sure the team is ready to be sold. They have to make sure they're going down a positive road on the arena, which it looks like we're going. And also there were two or three lawsuits from the previous arena attempts that they have to settle. And they've begun the conversations on those. So, and plus also, like... And I know because I, I heard it, I think the Melnick family didn't like all the speculations so soon mm-hmm. uh, after they were mourning Eugene's loss. So I think the league was balancing all of those things. Um, and now we're finally at a position where things have to move along. Because number one, I think the city is going to want to know who they're going to be dealing with. The, uh, number two, I think the NHL wants to get all of the news done or as much of the news done as they can at one time. And number three, the Ottawa Senators are a more valuable team if things like the lawsuits are settled and they're close to a downtown arena. Why would you sell the team before knowing if those things are going to happen or not, or being sure that those things are going to happen? It increases the value of the team. So what I see this as, Tim, is let's find out who's for real here because I think there's going to be other people who come out of the woodwork too. Like. Right. Like the names that Bruce had today, which were very good names, they've kind of been around. Uh, I think now we want to see who else shows up and says, well, okay, now this is for real. I- I'd like to talk about this team too. Uh, quick one here uh, before we let you go. Know, Nick Kiprio said that Gary Bettman wants to get a billion dollars for this team. Is there any chance that they get that in Ottawa? I I I I think you always ask for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, ask, I don't. I, I, ask for I a don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know that it will, but like for example, the Sportico story pegged them at 655. Right. I think it's a lot higher than that. Okay. With the downtown arena, With I don't downtown. know if they get a billion. 
I don't know if they get a billion, but I, I like if they get between 800 and 900, I don't think that would surprise anybody. Fridge, always appreciate it. Speaking of coming out of the woodwork, we appreciate you getting out of the car and into the woodwork. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, take care. Ken, work on that uh, $50 credit limit, okay? Uh, buddy, why do you think I'm wearing this suit? <laughs> uh, there's Elliot Friedman for uh, three of 32. This is, it feels like grade eight in here. You, you are left you, a are little... you huffing gas right now? What, what, like, why did you leave some in here? Well, I thought it was all gone. I had to save in case I ran out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, did you save a dollar of no, the eight dollars? You got to push it to the limit, man. Case. On the t Remember when Kramer drove that what car? What the hell are you doing? I didn't mean to save gas. <laughs> Rick, so... Rick started talking to me, so then I wanted to stop pumping gas and Talk to Rick. Uh, more hockey's out on the way, plus whatever the heck Kenny wants to get this off. This is self-venting. Game Mr. 4 World Series all coming up right here. Tell my friends. Can't believe you mentioned darts around gas. <laughs> Welcome back, friends. The Leafs desperate for a win tonight as they host the Flyers at Scotiabank Arena. A reminder, you can see it over at Sportsnet 1, beginning with Hockey Central. Just a few minutes time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Kenny and I are going to rip it over here on Sportsnet Sportsnet 360. So I don't know if you want to flip just yet. No, I ain't getting paid. I'm here. Hockey <laughs> Central about to get going on Sportsnet. One with their thoughts ahead of the Leafs and the Flyers. All right, all right. Carolyn Cameron, Hockey Central panel. Carolyn. Alongside Sam Cosentino, Jamal Mayers, and Anthony Stewart, a West Coast road trip sounds nice and relaxing. It was the opposite of that for the Leafs. They come back with just four of ten possible points that they could have collected, and things are very tense in Toronto, to say the least. So I ask a pretty bold but maybe simple question, what's wrong with the Leafs? Well, you know, you go out west and you have this big road trip here. You're supposed to come back with a little bit of a team identity. And 10 games with this Maple Leaf group, you don't know what type of group it is. Right now, yeah, the offense is clicking here, you know, here and there. The power plays 10th in the league right now. But what is this team? What is the third line? What is the fourth line? What is this group? So I think going forward, they have to establish that quick because if you don't have that team identity, it's tough to fix all those other areas in the game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, you can talk about attention to detail. You can talk about structure, how they want to work to get above, how they want to support and block shots and do well and support their body. But it's about accountability for each other. It's about working and being honest with each other in that locker room. And I just don't see it. This group is not committed to doing the right things. Not only that, take it a step further. When do they call people out? When do they get in each other's faces? It's okay to be upset with each other now and again. I remember my time with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2013. And you don't think that Dunks and Sieves got mad at Taser and Johnny? <laughs> I can assure you they had their moments where they got after each other. They're all there for the right reasons, to win. And it's okay. Sometimes you have to shake the tree. Sometimes you get upset with each other. And that's how you get to, to grow as a team. There's room for growth in this team. They have to be honest with each other. And they have to be accountable to it's each other. It's starting to slip into the media a little bit, where there seems to be some disdain there. And I don't know if that's warranted, because this is a team, a general manager on down through the coach and the players, that set a high bar going back to last year, 115 points. That's a franchise best. And so when you're not playing up to those capabilities, you have to answer the bell. And so until this thing gets right and until it gets turned around, the questions are going to continue to be asked. But that's only because of the bar that was set going back to last year and even before that. Be better. I know. Be better. And be honest with each other. That's what I don't understand. It's Stewie, okay to be If you're not doing the right things, you have to call You have to call each other out. If I'm not doing my job, I know what my job was. Kill penalties, take face-offs, be physical, change the momentum when it was there. If you're not going to be that guy to do that, 
How do you think other guys in the lineup feel when they don't see you doing it? Yeah, and it's not about uh, liking each other. You have to respect each other. And there's no, there's nothing wrong with going out and calling a guy out because, you know, it's an 82-game season. There's ups and downs. You have to weather the storm. But you've got to have that accountability, as you mentioned, Jammer, to a man. And you can still be buddies after. It's okay. We yeah, are, beer. right? Yeah, yeah. nothing we'll wrong see. with that. You'll get along. The issue with the losses and four straight now for the Leafs is they were against teams that they should have beat. Tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers, you're facing a team on the second game of a back-to-back. So we'll see if things get turned around. Hmm. The gem cannot be polished without friction, Kenny. Way to bring it, Jammer. He nailed it. Uh, as a part of the broadcast tonight, Christine Simpson sits down with Flyers head coach John Tortorella. Always a good quote, as we saw earlier in this segment. Here's a sneak peek. I couldn't be more honored and humble to have an opportunity to coach you. Philadelphia Flyers. The only thing we can do is put our head down and work. Well, John, you guys are now 5-2-2 two and two in your first nine games behind the Flyers bench. Now, for a team that I know you even said had zero respect in the league last year, how would you assess where they are right now? Are, are things coming together? I like the group. I, I, I think we have... Uh, uh, I think we've made some progress in how hard you have to play. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, some of the teaching that has to go on here, it, it, it's going to take some time. I was talking to someone yesterday who said, yeah, it's, this is a match made in heaven or hell. Yes. Depending on how the yeah. team's going. Yeah. But I guess you take, you take both sides when you take it on, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you want to, when you're winning, it's, it's really good. And when you're losing, they're probably throwing <laughs> at you. So, uh, but I think that's what... That's what, that's what I want to be part of. Torts in Philadelphia, a match made in heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I bet you 50 bucks Torts knows who Dick Stacy is because Tortorella went to school at the University of Maine 10 minutes from where Dick Stacy's country jamboree was hosted at Dick Stacy's Inn and Stacy's Motor Inn and Gas Bar. Former Maine Black Bear? Yes, so he would weren't, know who Dick Stacy was. Weren't you too? See these hands? They smell like gas. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, very nice chairs they were sitting in. Did you notice they that? They didn't have those at Dick Stacy's morning, <laughs> I can tell you that, because they accepted Canadian cash at PA. All right. So it is part of what Tortorella's doing in Philadelphia, what needed to be done in Toronto. This is, they're about to get going on Sportsnet 1, and if you want to flip over, we don't well, mind. I mean, but Sheldon Keefe tried calling out his players, and, man, you think, you think he was, I don't know, Fred Shiro or... Somebody back in the day freaking out. Not that Fred Shiro freaked out, but or Eddie Shore, I should say, or Reggie Dunlop. And right. I don't know if you can do that in Toronto with this group. He he tried, and he well, basically had to come and walk it back. Sutter's doing. Like imagine Sutter was the coach of oh. this group. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd right? be fun. Like he's doing that right now in yeah. Calgary. The very same thing. I mean, it is ama- It amazes me that. Keith said what he said, which I thought was nothing, and he had to basically yeah. walk it back because yeah. you can't call these guys out. It's a joke. That's the way it came across, and that made it look worse than it actually was. Right. All right, uh, Jesse Rubinoff, are we getting any feedback over the last little while? It's all about Dick Stacy. Oh, boy. Who just passed away, by the way, three weeks ago, and you said, told me that. I was like, yeah, I know it was big news back home. Dick Stacy passed away. Rita McNeil was on Stacey's Country Jamboree once. Oh, yeah? yeah? So he had a show, too? He had a gasoline? He had, he, he, he had a gas bar. Yeah, he, he told me about the gas bar. I didn't and know. Stacey's Country Jamboree was on WBII-TV, Channel 7, Bangalore, every Friday night around 1130. The kids would all watch it. Yeah. It, was a, it was Saturday nights, I think, around 1130. The kids would all watch it, and people would drive from all over. There's a song. Dick Stacey had a song. 
There's a man from Maine. Dick Stacy is his name. It kind of went like that. Right. We can we can play it. It's and like maybe Commander the next half Tom hour. for folks in Trump. Everyone mm-hmm. had their right. their right. guy from the local U.S. affiliate. Right. It sounds like your boy Dick Stacy. Yeah was one of those guys. Now, I'm sure there's no copyright infringement on Dick Stacy, the song about Dick Stacy. Maybe we could play it in the next half hour. Well, I just have a couple of responses mm-hmm. uh, about Dick Stacy. Uh, Dennis says, watch Dick Stacy's Country Jamboree when I was a kid. Props to Ken for even bringing him up. Uh, Barry says, totally got the Dick Stacy reference. I'm a female in my 50s who grew up in St. Andrews, New Brunswick. By Dick the just seat. died last month at the age of 85. Watched that Country Jamboree and his gas pumping commercials when I was young. Thanks <laughs> for the memories. And uh, Gary says, totally remember that, Ken. I'm over 60, and Dick Stacy's Country Jamery was lived. Commercials were epic. Yes, all. They were. Yeah. Oh, how did they do that? Get that so quickly. A country music trooper from the Pine Tree State, he came. Helping common people it play their music. Exactly in as I pictured it described. Everybody no, knows. Please, please, please don't insult Johnny Cash like that, please. It's beautiful. Sit on the floor. It's more Stomp Tom than it is Johnny. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, too. All right. A reminder, once again, Hockey Central over on Sportsnet 1 if you've become bored with this. I understand it. Leafs and Flyers, <laughs> meantime, we keep it rolling here. We'll spice it up a little bit. They're going hockey, we're going baseball. Joe Siddle will join us, get his thoughts on a historic Game 3. Tee up a massive Game 4 in Philly. Think they'll be watching in Bangor, Maine? Let it play out. And I'm happy to be a Dick Stacy fan. We got a title fight in South Philly. The Astros and Phillies all set for game three. McCullers to Harper. It's drilled. Right center field. Lightning strikes. Alec Boehm starts the second and rips one to left field over Alvarez and gone. Ambush. It's gone. Another one for the Phillies. Phillies playing their version of home run derby here at the bank. Wow! Monstrous blast! Kyle Schwarber does it again. An explosion! The South Philly Bombers with five! And the Philadelphia Phillies a dominant Game 3 victory. What a night last night in Philadelphia. Now a crucial game four. Justin Verlander going tomorrow for the Astros. Potential game seven and six in Houston. So a coin flip according to our friends at Bet Rivers. Even with Aaron Nola going for the Phillies today. Phillies now minus 152 for the series with a 2-1 series lead. Astros at plus 130 to come back and capture the World Series. Here's Dusty Baker. Is there a toothpick? There's more urgency, but at the same time, there's there's a difference between urgency and and panic, you know. And there's a fine line between them. And sometimes, a lot of it may depend on how many games you're going to play consecutively. Um, you know, um, do I? I just had this conversation. Do you spend everything for today, or do you try to save something? you know, for ensuing games tomorrow. And sometimes you can spend all your energy today trying to save something that really sometimes you don't know if it can be saved or not, and then you don't have anything, you know, for tomorrow. 
This is a crew right here. Dusty Baker, Joe Siddle, Kenny Reed, Jesse Rubinoff, me, Timothy. Welcome back to the studio, Joe. It's been a while. I'm still this is a crowded place today. <laughs> it is a crowded it. place today. Did you hear that Kenny ran out of gas on his way to work today? <laughs> My hands smell like gas. Talking about Dick Stacy. <laughs> Look good, though. Thanks, David, buddy. David Amber thought you said something else when you said your hands smell like gas, but I won't go there. A oh. wise man once told me, before you know where you're going, you got to know where you come from. That wise man, Maestro Fresh West. I thought you were so, going to say Dick Stacy. So to quote Wesley Williams, uh, Joe, did you think last night we saw Lance McCullers Jr. tipping his pitches? I didn't. Uh, we saw all that was going on on social media, a lot of the accusations. I was looking, I was watching. It's hard in-game to, for in-game to see something. You almost, it has to be a little bit more egregious. Uh, we did it with Stripling. It was last year that we did that. And the first tip-off is that hitters are getting good swings. They're looking very comfortable. They might be laying off breaking balls. They might be getting really good hacks at breaking balls or fastballs, whatever the case may be. But with that last night, we saw the good hacks, but we also, Devin and I talked about in the pregame show, McCullough's the guy that doesn't throw me fastballs, especially the lefties. He's going to spin the ball an awful lot. And you can look at leg kick, you can look at this, but my thing with this picture right here, the shot, is that when you're pitching from the stretch, pitchers are going to alter their delivery. You're going to slide step a little bit, you might not lift your leg as much. So I didn't see enough evidence to think that he was tipping now. Is the glove flaring at times? Yeah, but again, I didn't see the consistency. What I saw was a very good approach by Phillies hitters, and it looked clearly to me like they went in this game, much like we talked about before the game. McCullers is going to spin the baseball a lot. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. And what do these hitters do? They're going to look for spin. And when good hitters sit on spin and get it, they're going to do damage. That's exactly what they did. The other thing was that the fastball velocity that normally can get up there, it was good right at the start, but yeah. went down quickly. Yeah. So now the fastball velocity goes down, and then what's he do? He runs away from the fastball even more. So it's just a bad formula for a pitcher against a lot of good hitters. To me, it was a very unpredictable or very predictable pitcher without his best stuff. So do you figure that's what um, Bryce Harper's saying to Mr. Baum when he goes up and he's telling secrets? I mean, for a conspiracy theorist who says, oh, maybe they're – tipping pitches that's that's the perfect video evidence it is and i think that can be one of two things one it could be hey we got him we came into this game thinking that the glove comes up a little higher on the slider and he's doing exactly what we thought right. so keep going guys we were on him and we we're right or it could simply be look he's spinning at lots or to Bohm, for example, he had a fastball out. Right. So now I'm thinking, Bohm's a guy a little lower in the order. Should he go and be looking for certain pitches? Or is he saying to Bohm, hey, never mind with all this stuff. He's throwing a lot of breakers, but don't miss the heater. You know, it could be that, too. So you can go a lot of ways with that. Okay. And I like the way he nudged Castellanos there, too. Because remember, our Harper hits the home run with the runner on base, pitching from the stretch. But then he taps Castellanos there, tells him something. But Castellanos is going up there, and he's pitching from the windup. So there's, there's a lot going on there to, to make that accusation. I was listening on the radio. My boy had a hockey game. We were on our way back. And uh, Shulman and the crew were talking about McCullers' uh, three starts in 29 days. Uh, now it's Christian Javier. And I know he pitched really well against the Yankees. But this is his second start since October 1st. Does that worry you? It always worries you when, when you don't have that consistency, but that's what playoff baseball is anymore. And we, we talk about this every single year. This guy's pitching on nine days rest or five, six days rest. They get out of their routines. It's always concerning. I think the, the thing I'm looking for tonight with Javier is this is a very different challenge for Phillies hitters. Last night they had McCullers, who's going to spin the ball a lot. And now tonight you've got a guy that might not light up the radar gun. You'll probably see a lot of 94s, 95s. 
but he is going to pitch up in the zone and it's very tough to get to him. So it's kind of that fastball that's sneaky. Um, back in our day, Ken, we just used to say it's got another gear, mm -hmm. but now it's spin rate. It's okay, yeah. revolutions permitted. All these things because it, it's measurable. Yeah. And what that is, is he, he's, he's about 6'1". He's not a big guy. But he also doesn't really get up and on top of the ball. So I almost throw us from down here. It's, it's got the illusion that the ball's rising. Right. You will see, I think, a lot of swing and misses at the top of the zone tonight. We started this segment with the, that Dusty Baker clip talking mm -hmm. about when to take a guy out. I mean, Dusty has a history. Of, I, I would, to say politely, having faith in his starters in the postseason. <laughs> I, if I'm a Houston fan, I know the easiest thing to do is freak out at your manager and say, get him out of there, get that pitcher out of, that, out of there. But... Uh, how patient has Dusty been, and can he afford to be this patient going forward? This is, you, you know this patient. answer means a lot to Ken Reed, <laughs> who yells at every manager to leave their guy in there. Patience, in other words, we heard urgent, and we heard panic from Dusty just on that clip before us. Yeah. So, well, Dusty, guess what? It's only a seven-game series, so yeah. it's time to be a little bit more urgent. He did it with Verlander in game one, and I thought he kept him a little bit long. I said last night that I think he could be loyal to a fault. Yeah. He's got a Hall of Famer out in the mound. You're not going to take him out early. You're going to let him try to work it out. Game one of a series, I get it. You don't want to run through your whole bullpen. But then you get to that game last night, and regardless of tipping pitches, whatever the case may be, the Phillies were all over McCullers. So mm -hmm. I don't think he should have been out there. Even though he had a couple of clean innings right there, that bullpen should have been on high alert. If you keep that game, if Dusty could have gone to the pen earlier and maybe put a stop to things, because the bullpen is loaded. Yeah. They yeah. have great arms down there. They've got starters down there. They've got guys that have closed before. If you can keep that a game last night, maybe now Rob Thompson has to go to his big boys. Maybe right. we see Alvarado. Maybe we see Dominguez. And we've, we've heard that Dominguez does not pitch back-to-back -back days for often, yeah. very often. Well, we're in the middle of three straight here. If you could have brought those guys out, even if the Phillies win 4-1 to last night. But now the Phillies have a series lead. And all their horses rested and ready. That, that was my follow-up right there. Was yeah. that not only did the rain out help the Phillies with their starters, but now their bullpen's fresh with that seven. Like he's been super. Rob Thompson's been super aggressive Fantastic. with his with his bullpen and to rave reviews. And now he's got the full allotment for this game. It feels like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I have no qualms if you say you're full of bleak to me. But this feels like a real deciding game because if the Phillies lose this one. You get Verlander tomorrow, and then you go back to Houston. I think like 2-2 and 3-1 is a huge difference when it comes to Philadelphia. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a very aggressive Rob Thompson. No, I agree. With, I think it's for obvious reasons, though, too. If Philly goes up 3-1, they're in the driver's seat, regardless of if they have to go back to Houston. I think the bigger thing is, you mentioned Suarez. I think that was a little underrated. I didn't put a whole lot of stock into the rain. Everybody was saying, oh, this is going to help the Phillies. This will... I think, well, Phillies are going to need help because this Houston team is really good and their bullpen is so deep. I still think, sitting here right now, that that's what's going to win Houston the World Series. Their bullpen is just so, so deep. But then Suarez does what he did last night, and I don't think I really accounted for that. Sure, it's better to have Suarez than Syndergaard, but Suarez was really good. Yeah. Syndergaard might not see the baseball the rest of the series. Like, that was his opportunity, and he lost it. I think he knows it. He may come out of the pen, but what Suarez did to win that game was huge for the Phillies. It's, uh, I think it's evidence in the, in, the, in the odds as well because the Astros are only plus 153. Like, down a game in the yeah. World Series, just being plus 153, I think a lot of people are looking at this game and saying, well, it depends on how this one goes. Isn't it funny when you mentioned Verlander's name right there? We mentioned some of these big names now, and it's like, what are you going to get, though? 
Yeah. yeah. We, we're almost to a point now. You don't know. Look at Wheeler. He's kind of pitching, you know, a little injury history there. With Nola. Nola hasn't been great. Yeah. So who who takes the mound anymore other right. than Framber Valdez that you just go, wow, this guy's going to deal tonight? Uh, special players make special plays on special days. We'll see if that transpires over the next was couple that days. Maestro for He said you're special. Close. <laughs> Close. I already knew that. <laughs> Joey, thanks for dropping by. All right, guys. Yeah, always. Thanks, buddy. Uh, there's Joe Siddletap. Get to run break. out of gas. <laughs> Get to game time next time. Always got to do that. <laughs> it tells you how many kilometers to empty. It didn't say how many kilometers. It literally it. Like says like two there. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> I missed it. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>
Okay. The uh, the Toronto Raptors are in San Antonio tonight. <laughs> God. And Fred Van Vliet will. Do you know the song, Jesse, or is that too old for you? Say it one more time. Sing it one more time. Mr. Avato. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. Um, okay. And Fred Van Vliet will miss his second straight did, did game. Did you start season. dancing? Yeah, lower, <laughs> lower back stiffness. <laughs> Roll the team, okay? Van Vliet out Monday. Scotty Barnes set season highs with eight assists and five three-pointers. But the highlight of his week might be this clip from a recent Twitch stream discussing the outfit he wore to Nick Nurse's oh, recent so charity cool. event. Have you seen this? Yeah. I just went to the mall before the event. I bought it. It was like $400. Guess what though, bro? I went back to the mall today. That same shirt is back in the store, bro. I returned it, guys. <laughs> City boys. Oh, man. They thought they was going to get me with the $400 shirt, bro. No, fam. It's back at the store, bro. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a man after Kenny's heart. Uh, he is Scotty Barnes. Congrats, you're cheaper than I am. Uh, wow, my well, gas was eight bucks. Yeah, I mean, we we're learning a lot about your life today. You know, the gas situation. Yes. Have you ever returned? a piece of clothing after wearing it? I never have, and Scotty Barnes could have auctioned that off and said, this is a Scotty Barnes worn shirt, and I bet you could have got more than 400 bucks for it. What was he dressed as? Was that a Halloween costume? No, it was just a shirt that he wore to a, a kind of sort of black tie affair. Oh, it was a well, Nick Nurse so charity he event. Brought it back. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't going to spend 40, 400 bucks on the shirt, so he brought it back. Haven't you done that? Like, haven't you no! ever? Haven't you ever been on vacation? Okay, hold on. You just told me that you were cheap and you've never done anything like that. Do we have any more, Jesse? I don't want to. We got one more. I mean, it's it's fine. You've don't never done. You've never gone on vacation and bought yeah. the TV at Walmart and then brought the no. TV back once you've done the vacation. No. I mean, my my wife does that all the time with clothing. All of the time. with clothing. Yes, yeah, all the time. I, I mean, hopefully I can't believe that you you called yourself cheap and you've never done anything of sort. like these wonderful return policies I am at cheap. like Walmart, yeah. Costco, Amazon. I am like, cheap. I am not immoral. Oh, it's immoral. <laughs> immoral. How about charging four hundred dollars for a shirt? That's immoral. Yeah, well, he brought it back. How much does Scotty Barnes make? You know, a couple mil. Yeah, couple schmel. I love that you were so proud of it. <laughs> no, fam. And I still don't know what Twitch is. No, you know what Twitch is. Four hundred. Play the game. We're not playing the old guy. Basil tells me about it. Basil <laughs> tells me. About it. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, thanks for popping by, Kenny. And listen, glad I made it. If, if you ever need gas, yeah, uh, like you can call in a card or something. Like we can get it done. We don't pay you for this show, so we might as well like maybe maybe next time we'll get you gas. Give me a gas card. Yeah, give me a gas card for doing the show or something. I'll take that. It's impressive he made it here. Are you? No, I'm impressed that he made it. Thank you. Did you go to the gas station? No, no. KAA went. Ken's assistant Ash. the best roadside service going. His wife. It's unbelievable. All right, so that does it for us. MLB Central coming up. 7.30 Eastern on Sports. KAA for life. Game four.